This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Accelerating Government with Act IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to the show. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has brought together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. Today's episode, we're looking at the Pataris Scorecard and discussing ideas on how to enhance its value in improving government technology outcomes. I'm delighted to be joined for the conversation by Richard Spires, Principal at Richard Spires Consulting, former CIO at both DHS and IRS, former Vice Chair of the Federal CIO Council, and former Chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Richard, welcome back to the show. Always good to be here with you, Dave. Margie Graves is Senior Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former Federal Deputy CIO, and the current Chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Margie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. Looking forward to this conversation. And Dave Pounder is the executive director of the Center for Data-Driven Policy at the MITRE Corporation and former director of information technology management issues at the Government Accountability Office. Dave, I'd also like to welcome you back to the show. Great to be here, Dave. Excellent. It's wonderful to have you all. The Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, commonly known as FATARA, passed in December of 2014 with a focus on CIO authorities, enhancing transparency and risk management, portfolio reviews, data center consolidation, strategic sourcing, enterprise agreements, and so much more. And close on the heels of the enactment of the legislation was the creation of the FATARA scorecard by Congress, which grades federal agencies based on their performance of FATARA-related reform and improvement activities. Recently, the request of the House staff members, ACT I gathered together a group of former federal technology executives, all distinguished leaders, to offer enhancements to the Pataro scorecard that would take advantage of lessons learned and also address the rapid pace of technology change. The report is full of a number of important suggestions, so let's get to it. After having been involved in multiple iterations of the Fatara Scorecard during your August careers in government, ACDIAC is grateful for the leadership roles you've all taken on in offering recommendations to evolve the scorecard. Richard, let's start with you as the chair of the working group. Why was Fatara important legislation, and what improvements have we seen at federal agencies as a result of its enactment? I believe Fatara has been very successful uh, legislation, and I'm going to point to one key reason which is that the fact that we've had good congressional oversight. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, Representative Conley, uh, for instance, who has been you know, a, a stalwart and, and making sure that, that agencies really step up to work to meet the tenants that are outlined in the FATARA legislation. So as far as success goes, I, I would point to a couple of concrete things. Uh, one, this issue of the CIO authority, and particularly where the CIO reports, um, you know, and, and the scorecard saying, hey, if you report, if the CIO reports to the head of the agency or the deputy uh, head of the agency, uh, that gets you an A. And if you don't, then you get an F for that particular category. I, I think that's had a meaningful impact. Um, not that all agencies have promoted their CIOs to, to that reporting level, but it definitely has, I think, changed uh, reporting relationships in some agencies. And even where it hasn't, I think it's sent a strong message agencies about where the CIO should be placed um, and the authorities that the CIO should have. And I would also point out uh, a very tangible, I think, example is in the data center consolidation arena where, you know, as you like to say, Dave, 
you get what you measure. And the fact that this is uh, public information, um, that there's real uh, goals that have been set around data center consolidation for agencies to meet, I think has has made the mark difference in, in agencies moving forward on data center consolidation. So those are just a couple of examples where I really do think FATAR has been meaningful legislation. And frankly, I think it's something that we should continue to, uh, to ride, if you will, as we work to enhance the scorecard itself. Very good. Margie, how about you? Fatara, why is it important to you? Well, one of the things that I had the advantage of doing was seeing Fatara from two different sides, one from responding to it at DHS when I was deputy CIO, and the other part, of course, governing uh, the Fatara scorecard across all agencies. And to Richard's point, uh, the CIO authorities that were laid out by Congress, the Fatara legislation greater clarified the expectation of what an effective operational implementation of these authorities entailed. So it gave us a little bit more insight and a little bit more direction and perhaps more focus into uh, beyond the reporting relationship, uh, what does that successful implementation look like, including things like uh, having the CIO budget authority uh, very well outlined and showing how the CIO participates in the agency's governance process as a proof point for exercising those authorities. And that includes in the acquisition space, in the budgetary space, and in the standard setting space. In addition, I think one of the things that really was very positive uh, from my perspective was they asked for a plan against that implementation of those authorities, which opened up a great dialogue among all the CXOs, because it was required that each discipline participate in the delivery in order to meet the intent of Congress. So the conversation uh, between the CIO, the CFO, the CPO, and the Chico greatly improved and was integrated uh, in terms of meeting this imperative. And uh, I think that went a long way toward making the governance process more smooth in the IT arena too. Yes. And, and Dave, how about you? What stands out about FATAR to you? So a couple of things. I think Richard and Margie talked about many of the key provisions, you know, FATAR codified a number of really good OMB policies, data center consolidation portfolio step. But again, to, to piggyback off of prior comments, the enhanced authorities, even like approving the IT contract, when you start like focusing on budget and approving contracts and those types of things or certifying incremental development, those were things that really did enhance the CIO authorities. One other thing I'll mention too, Dave, is, you know, right after FATARA passed, I'll give the executive branch a lot of credit here too, because I think OMB put out FATARA implementation guidance. And so again, this is a good example. As Richard mentioned, you know, the oversight with the scorecard and everything and the persistence and consistency from Congress. But I do think there were a lot of good things that happened on the executive branch side. And that's when we see good things happen in government when you get legislative and executive branches focusing on the right uh, common things. So Dave, we'll stick with you. 2014 becomes 2022 and sort of has spawned the recent activity in the ACT-IAC report. Why is it a good time to consider enhancements to the scorecard? Yeah, so a couple things, Dave, if you look back on the scorecard history, so, you know, initially there were four areas that were graded uh, with the initial scorecard and up to about scorecard six, there were several areas that were added, software licensing, 
working capital fund cyber. So there was a lot of movement, I would say, in the first three years and first six scorecards. But really from scorecard seven to about 14, we didn't see as many changes. There was an EIS category that was added. And I think the scorecard, frankly, Dave, there were a lot of good things that happened, good outcomes, but it got a little stale over time. Uh, Richard and I have, have testified at scorecard 10 and 13, and we both had some recommendations for evolving the scorecard. The beauty of the ACT-IACT report, though, it, it really is the most comprehensive body of work on evolving the scorecard. There's eight areas. There's specifics on how you would do grading in each of the areas. And again, I think when you look at uh, how comprehensive that report is, it lays out a nice roadmap. And again, Dave, I want to thank you for your leadership and uh, kind of putting the, the team together that you mentioned early on. I think it was a great collection of many, you know, experienced individuals and the outcome was really uh, quite comprehensive. Yeah, I thank you for that. Margie, how about you? What was the imperative for change that, that got you excited about helping to improve the scorecard? Well, as we know, the technology is the underpinning of most mission operations today, but the technology itself evolves and the way we deliver it evolves and therefore the measures we use to ensure its effectiveness also needs to involve, evolve. And one of the things that I think illustrates that is we talked about the very first set of measures and the scorecard and centered on data center consolidation, for example. And at the time, also in cybersecurity, we had the Trusted Internet Connection Policy 1.0, and we had published cloud first. But over time, as cloud became uh, more the operational um, uh, norm for a lot of the transformations that we were trying to encourage to modernize legacy systems within the federal government, you saw us move from data center consolidation to cloud first and then to cloud smart. And then from TIC, Trusted Internet Connection 1.0 to 2.0 to 3.0. Uh, and all of those changes in the policy and the way that we deliver IT today, uh, including in hybrid environments uh, between on-prem and off-prem, et cetera, all of those things combined over time require that we change the types of measurements we use to ensure success. We're talking with Richard Spires, Margie Graves, and Dave Pounder. I'm Dave Wendergren. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more on Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wendergren, and on today's episode, we're discussing ACT-IAC's recent report on enhancing the Pataris scorecard. You can see the report at the Federal News Network website or at our website at ACT-IAC. With us today are several technology leaders, outstanding individuals who contributed to the report and contributed to government for many years. Richard Spires is principal at Richard Spires Consulting and former DHS CIO. Margie Graves is senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government and also the former federal deputy CIO. And Dave Pounder is the executive director of the Center for Data-Driven Policy at the MITRE Corporation. 
and former director of information technology management issues at GAO. When we went to break, we were talking about why now is the time to try to do some enhancements to the scorecard. We're going to kind of walk through the subject areas that get covered by the scorecard in this segment in the next couple of segments. And so we'll go back to you, Richard, and let you opine on why now is a good time. And to also talk a little bit about the first recommendation, which focused on modern system development practices and measuring the use of agile and DevSecOps efforts in government, as well as the imperative for improving customer service. Richard, over to you. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Um, well, I certainly agree with, with everything that uh, Dave Pounder and Margie talked about as far as the imperative goes. I might just add that I think a number of us, and, and really this working group we put together, we really took the time and brainstormed and, and really went back to basics. You know, what would you really want to measure and how could you effectively measure it in ensuring that an agency is using the best IT management pr uh, principles and practices? And, and that's really what we try to derive in, in the scorecard. And so I would want to point out that we're building off of where the scorecard was, but we're also trying to shift it a bit. You know, as an example, this idea of really working, looking at your workforce, your IT workforce, and measuring how effectively are you doing filling gaps, recruiting, those kinds of things is such an important part of good IT management practice today. So we're recommending that you actually add a category in that sense. And then some of the other ones were evolving, as Margie was pointing out, as technologies and, and IT management practices evolve, we want to be there. And that's a great segue into the first one that you mentioned, which is Currently, the scorecard uh, and has, I, I think since the inception, measured this idea of, of incremental development. And it's a pretty simple measure. I mean, uh, what percentage, if you will, of, of the projects that you run in an agency, IT projects, are delivering incrementally within uh, six-month increments? And, and I think at that time, that was probably the right measure. But things have evolved. And today, if you're, if you're doing best practice in IT, I mean, you certainly are using agile techniques in just about everything you do, but you're also, in particular in software, you're delivering now with a DevSecOps kind of model, um, continuous development, continuous integration. And that's really, really important to do. And so we're just saying, let's evolve that measure so that we're not measuring incremental development, but we're measuring the use of agile and we're measuring the use of DevSecOps in your agency and not just like, well, you do it, okay, we pilot it, therefore we get an A. No, you've got to actually show that it's in your production pipeline, that the vast majority of your project, in fact, all IT projects that is appropriate, are using agile techniques and are using DevSecOps. You know, that's the kind of measure that we want to drive towards that really changes the game, if you will, and sets a high bar to get an A, but will drive agencies to use best practices in uh, software and, and project management for delivering IT systems. Thanks, Richard. Dave, how about you? You've been a big champion about the need to deliver capabilities yeah, more so, rapidly. So a, a couple things here. I, I do think, you know, this suggestion we have to go to Agile and DevSecOps is really important. And I will tell you, there was a huge shift in, how agencies were planning on the incremental development. When the first scorecard, there were about 48% of all projects across the government were reporting to use six-month deliveries, Dave. So if you fast forward that to scorecard six, it was up to about 88%. So what happened with incremental development? We went from like 50% to 90% planned, okay? 
So the question becomes with some of these things on the scorecard, how much is good enough now that shift to agile and DevSecOps? The other thing that I will say that I really like the suggestion in our report is to use the dashboard to report whether projects and investments are actually using these modern delivery techniques. I think using the IT dashboard with its transparency and if we could use existing mechanisms, all the better. And I think we could leverage that IT dashboard even more with reporting this type of information. Margie, you too have been a big champion for this area and particularly the customer experience benefits of using more rapid processes. Would you like to pile on on this topic? Oh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I agree with the discussion as it was flowing there that um, the measures today are different uh, and we continuously track and report performance measures um, in this world, such as story points, velocity, automated test coverage, defects and things of that nature, which are different than simply um, requiring that people report that they've delivered some minimal viable product in a six month cycle. So those measures themselves are continuous and they support the continuous application and encourage us to have organizations that have true practitioners of these methodologies uh, within their, a, a sort of part of their DNA. So that's the way that they operate regardless of program that we're talking about. It just becomes uh, the method of delivery as it should be in this day and age. So my expectation is that these things will become embedded and that slowly over time, you will see programs adopt this in such a ubiquitous manner that you won't see some of the other methodologies that have been used in the past uh, reflected anymore. And we have effectively made the cultural change. In addition to the challenge of having outdated legacy systems and technology, my experience has been that the single biggest problem in delivering technology solutions is when we disappear from the customer for multiple years, trying to do the one big bang delivery, only to come back later to find out they didn't like it at all. And so the, the, the ability to deliver in rapid capabilities that continually involve the customer is just a powerful way to start the report. Margie, we will stick with you as we move on to the next recommendation in the report which was about cloud computing adoption and the focus not only on infrastructure, but also moving applications to the cloud. Why don't you talk a little bit about why that set of recommendations is so important? Uh, that set of recommendations is really uh, foundational um, because uh, what we've discovered with uh, the evolution of cloud and our ability to adopt it is that um, we have to take a hard look at our application portfolio and understand each suite of that portfolio supports an end-to-end -end mission and decides the right platform and the right delivery mechanism for each. And they won't be uniform, generally. Uh, so we're talking about an analysis that basically uh, pushes us toward understanding uh, fit-for-purpose environments for each one of our application suites. And in order to do that, we have to look at the, uh, the mission they're supporting and the customer requirements, especially the customer experience side of the equation uh, to understand how those can best be delivered. Richard, you too have been a champion for the, the need to move to the cloud. Would you like to add some thoughts? Yeah, to that? yeah. and I think you know, I mentioned earlier that the, the data center consolidation metric has been a good metric, but 
you know, as, as Dave Pounder has, has also pointed out, that, you know, some of these, we're kind of at the end of life of that. And I, I think to go to the next level is, uh, is this idea of, and Margie said it well, I mean, not every application it should go to the cloud, but many should in government agencies. And so do you have the right plan? I mean, we, we really look at it from two uh, aspects. Do you have a comprehensive cloud migration plan where you've gone through the analysis, looking at all your apps, deciding where they should end up, prioritizing that movement? And do you actually have a real program underway to make that happen? And then the other part of it is how far are you along on the journey? So you can have a great plan and it's important that you have a good plan. But then it's also, we're going to measure you against your plan. And I think that's a fundamental shift, too, in a number of these metrics, the idea that you know, every agency is unique. And so my agency might be different than yours as far as our cloud migration and what we need to do, but it should be optimized for my agency. And then I should be held accountable to execute against that plan. And that's what we're really trying to measure. We're talking with Richard Spires, principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting, Margie Graves, senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and Dave Pounder, executive director of the Center for Data-Driven Policy at the MITRE Corporation. We're going to take a short break now. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and on today's episode, we're discussing the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA, and its well-known FATARA scorecard. I'm joined for this conversation by some outstanding leaders. Richard Spires is a former DHS CIO and past vice chair of the Federal CIO Council. Margie Graves is a former federal deputy CIO. And Dave Pounder is the former director of information technology management issues at GAO. The third recommendation of the report focuses on evolving to an IT modernization planning and delivery category. Dave, let's start with you on this one. That new category would have a focus on the need to track progress on IT modernization plans, a really novel concept about measuring the progress of plans rather than just focusing on oversight, and also the urgent need to retire, replace, and refresh legacy systems. Dave, over to you. Yeah, Dave, this category really packs a punch. I mean, there, there's a lot in here. It, it, it's about, you know, having comprehensive inventories, having a prioritized plan to tackle our modernization efforts. You had mentioned, Dave, the legacy challenges that we have. We have many legacy applications out there that have security vulnerabilities. They're no longer supported by some of the vendors. And then also, frankly, are not meeting mission needs the way we need them to. So what this category is really getting at is ensuring that agencies have prioritized plans, tackle their modernization efforts, and then in order to get higher grades, you actually have to deliver on those acquisitions and eventually turn things off. I mean, we know we will have arrived with the legacy challenges when we start decommissioning some of these legacy systems. So that's what this category is all about. I think it's difficult you know, to get higher grades in this area, but this is an area that needs attention and we need more focus on these legacy challenges. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I'm a, a Dave spot on with what he just said. And I would just add that, uh, you know, this is a, a way to integrate um, a number of things that a uh, an IT organization does within an agency. And I think that's sorely needed. Um, we should force agencies 
to come up with comprehensive modernization plans in detail and, and put priorities against those plans. There, there is hardly anything more important when you're talking about modernization uh, to do it right. Because too much, what I've seen in agencies is what I call piecemeal modernization, where they're playing around in a little area. And what happens is, yeah, you'll get some new functionality. The customer might be happy with that, but you retire nothing. And so now you're in a forced situation. You've just added another system to your inventory you're having to take care of and maintain. You haven't retired anything. And uh, we, we're just not helping ourselves within federal IT with that kind of model. I, uh, I think, as I mentioned, leading into the question that, uh, you know, we've all seen the experience of something bad happens and we bring people into an oversight setting, regardless of whether that's executive or legislative branch. And, you know, there's a sort of gotcha moment, which may be like momentarily satisfying, but doesn't do anything to advance the ball. And I think it's just super powerful about this idea about if we turned congressional hearings into opportunities to talk about whether you'd made progress on your plans. And then we could celebrate the successes if you had. And if you hadn't, we could talk about what needs to be done to start making progress. We'd be really moving the, the ball forward. Margie, how about you? IT modernization, planning, delivery, legacy systems. What would you like to add? I think what Richard was um, mentioning there about the piecemeal uh, nature that some of the agencies have used to approach this is needs to be fixed. And uh, one of the ways to fix that is to have the composite inventory, know the entirety of what you have in your environment and get your arms around that. And then in order to prioritize, I would draw everybody's attention to executive orders and memos from OMB, particularly in three categories. Uh, one is the high value asset memo, um, the cybersecurity executive order, and the customer experience executive order. If you put those three things together as North Stars, uh, they're directionally correct and trying to give you a place to start. And then you use that analysis in order to do that prioritization of what you should modernize first and how you should modernize it. For example, the high value assets ask agencies to prioritize based on mission. The cybersecurity EO says that you need to address your most critical vulnerabilities first. And customer experience, of course, identifies the high impact service providers that deal mostly with the uh, American citizenry and how, based on volume, they are, are critical to how the federal government interacts with the nation. So if you use those three areas, then I think you're pretty much far along on what you would use to prioritize that environment. All right, Margie, we'll stick with you and move on to the next recommendation, which is about the IT budget category. And in that category, the recommendations in the report reiterate the value of establishing working capital funds, but then also go on to emphasize the importance of activity-based costing and CIO involvement in the budget and procurement processes. Just share with us some of your thoughts on the IT budget-related topic. Well, one of the things I wanted to emphasize when we got to talking about this category was the fact that even though we put legislation in place in terms of the Modernizing Government Technology Act and in terms of the Technology Modernization Fund, which now has a billion dollars in its coffers. And uh, we also implemented uh, the technology business management approach, which is, which is a, an activity-based costing model while I was at OMB. It's beyond that 
because what we're talking about here is the holistic funding strategy for the agency needs to have the mark of the CIO on it in terms of what technology is procured. And with the planning category that we talked about before, now we're moving into how do you fund it? Uh, it could be in base, it could be with programmatic enhancements, and it could also be with uh, these other sources such as the technology modernization fund or internal working capital funds within each agency. But it's all of them together that have to have input from the CIO because the CIO has to be owner of the overarching uh, plan. Yeah, Dave, how about you, IT budget? Yeah, so I, I couldn't agree with Margie more. I think, you know, we need more work on the working capital funds. Not enough agencies have established those. The use of the technology business management taxonomy is a great idea. That's part of this category. But frankly, Dave, when you look at our IT and cyber budgets, are they really reflective of the needs that we have for IT modernization and to secure, secure? Like now you look at from a cyber perspective and, you know, the zero trust requirements. There's a lot there. And I think we, we're going to start to see some spikes in some of these budget requests if they're really reflective of the needs that the agencies face, both from a modernization and the cyber perspective. I'd also like, to, Dave, one final thing just to give. The current administration some credit they've put out some great cyber uh guidance recently uh chris inglis and the office of the national cyber director uh, reminding folks when they put together their 24 budgets you know what needs to go into that from a cyber perspective and there were things in there like supply chain and it modernization and really a, an acknowledgement you know more needs to be done in this area and comprehensive budgets really do need to be in place Cybersecurity is really an important topic, and we're going to do a little bit more on that in just a minute. But before we move on, I did want to give Richard a shot about IT budget, if you'd like to add anything. Yeah, just uh, real quickly, Dave, that you know, with the TBM uh, methodology or any, any activity-based costing methodology, it's not just about uh, racking up your costs in different categories. That's obviously where you start. But one of the things we really emphasize on, on measuring this is that you then use that data to benchmark yourselves against other federal agencies, against private sector companies, to get, get a sense for how efficiently are you operating your IT services. It's one of the things that many agencies really don't have much insight into. And we need to change that. And, and I think the use of TBM or a like activity-based costing methodology is a way to get at that. Richard, we'll stick with you. Dave already talked about the next recommendation, which was around cybersecurity. And I'll say baking it in from the beginning and taking advantage of new technologies like zero, new approaches like zero trust. How about if I let you pile on to his, or the comments he already sure. made about cybersecurity? Yeah, yeah, of, of course. And uh, we really tried to take a pragmatic approach here to cybersecurity and really focused on what we felt were the most important things. And Look, every every project team member on this group was very valuable, but I do want to call out Renee Wynn, who did a lot of work on this particular subject of cybersecurity and what's the best way that we could measure this and ask agencies for the data to measure this. And, and to make this uh, you know, tangible, you know, we have five categories. And the first one is, uh, is one that's so important, multi-factor authentication. And we're trying to keep it simple, which is says, hey, you've got all these systems out there. And if you want an A in the multi-factor authentication area, you're going to have to show that at least 90% of your systems where you have individuals that actually have to access those systems 
are using some type of multi-factor authentication to access those systems. And this is 90% across all of your agency applications. That's a pretty high bar, but that's where we should be aiming. So we tried to make it practical. We tried to make it information that would not be that hard to collect to be able to come up with these uh, cybersecurity grades. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to have more with Richard Spires, Margie Graves, and Dave Pounder. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ActiEc on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ActiEc on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wenergren, and on this episode, we're discussing ActiEc's recent report on enhancing the FATARA scorecard, the process that accesses federal agency implementation of the FATARA Act. I'm joined for the conversation by three contributors to that report. Richard Spires is the principal of Richard Spires Consulting, former DHS CIO and former chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Margie Graves is senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former federal deputy CIO and current chair of the Industry Advisory Council. And Dave Pounder is the executive director for the Center for Data-Driven Policy at the MITRE Corporation and former director of information technology management issues at GAO. Margie, let's go to the next recommendation area, which is about CIO authorities, which has been a central theme of IT legislation going all the way back to the Clinger Cohen Act. I have often opined that there's a difference between having a seat at the table and actually having a voice at the table. And I would say this report makes some good steps in making sure the latter is what we're aiming for by reemphasizing the importance of CIOs being involved in both the acquisition and budget processes. Tell us why this issue is so important and what next steps should agencies be taking to make this vision a reality. Well, if we talk about the flow from uh, having an effective uh, modernization plan, then you have the business case put together that uh, allows you to flow into budgetary authorities and the budget requests, and then ultimately into uh, developing acquisitions. And the CIO needs to be involved early and often during the shaping of those acquisitions rather than at the end of an acquisition strategy where the selection becomes more of a rubber stamp. It really isn't effective unless you do it early and often. You have to have that conversation and several touch points along the way, not only because the CIO will be able to um, offer technical advice on what the art of the possible is in terms of the technologies available to actually develop the solution, but also uh, would be able to offer some already existing uh, environments or acquisitions that are in process that might be utilized uh, in terms of shared services for some of these acquisitions. It's just, uh, as you say, Dave, having the voice be uh, a trusted advisor uh, as opposed to a sign-off. Let's put it that way. Yes, absolutely. Dave, how about you? CIO authorities? Yeah, so Dave, uh, you know, the current TAR scorecard does focus on the reporting, right? Is the reporting appropriate and high enough and everything? What I really love about what we're recommending here is to focus on acquisition and budget. And frankly, this is very consistent with the original FATARA uh, legislation from December 2014. You know, there's a provision in FATARA that CIOs should be approving the budget. There's a provision in there that they should be approving all major IT contracts. So, you know, what we're suggesting here is something that's already in FATARA, 
but I love the idea of expanding the reporting measure to, you know, more influence over the budget procurements. It's it's needed, and it will give them the voice that that's uh, desperately needed. Richard, you've been passionate about this topic in more than one congressional hearing. What would you like to add about CIO authorities? Oh, yeah, no, I think they said it well. I might just, uh, on the, a little more of the detail, we, we are really recommending that both from the budget perspective and on the procurement side, that you know, too often the CIO, they'll have their own budget, but a lot of the IT spend is then dispersed among programs throughout the agency, and they have little insight uh, or oversight of those. And uh, and that's really what we're trying to get at here is, hey, you know, the CIO, I mean, IT is IT. And, you know, we're not trying to say the CIO should be a blocker to programs. But in order to do this modernization effectively, to look at things from an enterprise perspective, the CIO needs to have insight and say over those programmatic spends that when they're IT related. And, th- and that's what we're really trying to measure. Richard, the final set of recommendations in the report deal with the IT workforce and the challenges of attracting and retaining the workforce of the future. This is a subject that you've cared so much about that you've actually written a book about it that I would recommend to our audience. It's titled Success in the Technology Field. If you haven't had a chance to look at it, it's got some great advice for aspiring technology leaders in both industry and government. Richard, what are your thoughts about the workforce recommendations in the report? Yeah, well, we we, we try not to... Um overachieve here. We we're going to start out pretty simple. Um, two areas of workforce to focus on. One is this issue that many uh, IT organizations across the federal government, at least, you've got, a, uh, you've got a workforce that is highly able to retire. I mean, percentage-wise. I mean, a lot of individuals that are reaching the end of their careers, good for them, but not good for the agency. Um, and we we're losing a lot of talent. So, one is to really look at that issue as from the standpoint of what are you doing about that? And, and a key of that is, do you have a real IT workforce strategic plan in place that identifies the issues around uh, retirement eligible people, the current gaps you have that you're trying to recruit for? And what are you doing about it? Are you really making progress in filling those gaps that you have in the workforce? And I want to say this, I, I think this is perhaps the most important measure that we could add to the FOTARA scorecard, because in my mind, there's nothing more important than building a, a, a solid organization. If you're a CIO and you want to leave a legacy, you know, build a solid team under you. That's what you really should. That big, it should be probably your number one priority or certainly close to number one. And so I think this is one we're pushing hard on to get added to the, to the scorecard. Margie, how about you? Thoughts on the workforce? It's obviously the the most critical element is to be able to attract the the talent to the federal government in order to be able to execute on all the things that we've been talking about so far. So uh, one of the things I'd like to add to what Richard was saying is within that plan, uh, after identifying your gaps and, and where you have to actually um, force that talent, is the recognition that the speed uh, to market and the streamlining of the hiring process itself is also something that should be uh, reflected in that plan. And the real-time use of modern techniques in hiring, like skills-based evaluation, uh, would be part of that also. And finally, uh, we've done a lot recently about um, taking our current workforce and either upskilling or reskilling. 
into some of these talent gaps that we're talking about. And there are plenty of uh, currently existing employees within the federal government that uh, would like to move into these fields. And so that's also an element that should be reflected in these plans. Dave, we'll give you the last word on the workforce. So, uh, Dave, I want to point out that, uh, and I agree completely with Richard and Margie, but it's all about our people, and this is an extremely important category. All, all the categories we've talked about to date in our report have been uh, enhancements to existing areas and extensions to existing areas. This is a new new area to grade. Workforce has not been on the scorecard, and I, and I really like the idea of ensuring that you have a plan in place and how you're executing against that plan to close the critical gaps we have. I do think going forward, that's not easy. It's, that's not an easy thing to do. We all know that. For instance, in the Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed, it gave IRS a bunch of critical position pay authorities. You know, Richard was part of that when he came into the government. I think we do need to look at some of those flexibilities to attract more people into the federal IT workforce. But again, I think if you have a comprehensive plan in place and really measures on how we're executing against that plan, this is going to really help with transparency and, and uh, moving the ball down the road when we look at our workforce. FATARA is really important legislation. It's done a lot to help shine a spotlight on issues that need to get taken care of. And the FATARA scorecard, as we talked about throughout this interview, the things that we measure, the things that we focus our time and attention on. So it serves a very important role. As with everything, though, if we learned anything from the last couple of years in the pandemic, the world is changing at a rapid pace. And so just as new initiatives need to be taken on by both government and private sector organizations, the scorecard needs to reflect some new work, too. And so we are thrilled that all of you were able to contribute your thought leadership to the report. Richard Spires is the principal at Richard Spires Consulting. Margie Graves is a senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and Dave Pounder is the Executive Director for the Center for Data-Driven Policy at the MITRE Corporation. I'd like to thank you all for your leadership, for your friendship over the years, and for all the hard work you put into developing this report, and for joining us for the radio show today. If you in the audience would like to learn more about ACT-IAC's report on recommendations for evolving the FATARA scorecard, you can check out the Federal News Network website, or you can go to our website, www.actiac.org. And thank you all for joining us today. We've heard some great insights from some outstanding leaders on how to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.